If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to a familiar verse of Scripture. I'm going to deal with the third principle of a three principles necessary to overcome the enemy of your soul. And it's something that is so easily overlooked because the first two principles are easy for us to carry out and obey and put into practice in our life. But when you leave something out, when it takes three principles to obtain victory over the enemy of your soul, you can't leave the third one out. So I like to bear down or double down on some of these things that we kind of leave out. That's why there's certain parts of the fruit of the spirit that I like to bear down on because we don't seek to develop kindness like we do faith. We don't necessarily seek to develop temperance like we do other of the more popular fruit of the spirit, like joy and peace. We tend to leave out things that is kind of doesn't seem to be on that level. But I believe every portion of the fruit of the spirit is vital to replicating, duplicating, the character of Christ in our own life. Fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus being replicated and duplicated in you and in me. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, amen, to bring forth his love. If, if it's a religious brand of love, it's not his kind, amen? If it's the church love that goes around where we quit each other, the slightest little thing, it's not his love. It's the kind of love that's in the body of Christ today that doesn't forgive, doesn't forget, holds grudges, and doesn't let things go, and and, uh, that's not his love. But there is a love, isn't there? And it's his love. It's divine love. It's produced by the Holy Spirit in our heart and through our life that covers a multitude of sins. There is a love like that. Can you say man? But it's not that religious brand. I've been in church too long and I got too many war stories and too many scars that I got from Christians who never walked and never and still don't. Underdeveloped fruit means that we will never have that Christ-like. I I look for more than power. I look for more than tongues. I look for more than prophecies. I look for more than visions. I look for more than than dreams. I look for Jesus. I look for something like Jesus in somebody. I want whoever ministers to me to be a lot like Jesus, not to be just like him, but progressively growing more like him. I want to feel Christ's love through somebody. I don't want this kind of love, you know, that somebody's hugging you like this and stabbing you like that. I've had that. If you haven't had it, you'll get it if you stay around the Christian community very long because there's a lot of underdeveloped Christians growing old but not growing up. So I want to talk to you about something very familiar out of Revelation chapter 12. God gave me this message uh, in the wee hours, it was getting very, very late, and, and I never cram because I, this message has been growing in me since last Sunday. And every time that I'm not busy doing something, uh, taking care of my son, getting his banking done, his groceries done, taking care of the dog, <laughs> amen, taking him to the vet and making sure he, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, go to heaven or wherever they go too early. So, uh, cause we love him and he loves us and, 
And I've got a friend in Jesus, and I've got a friend in my dog. And I've got a few friends in the Christian community. And I count you as some of them. Hallelujah. Because you're here today. <laughs> Amen. And I don't believe you. I, I believe you when you say you love me. And I believe you when you say that you appreciate me. Praise God. And I'm glad to be here with you to share today. You, you, will, you, will, you will get this. I want to talk to you about deepening your devotion during the falling away. If there's one thing that we need to safeguard us as true and sincere Christians, we need to deepen our devotion. We're already in the beginning of sorrows. The falling away will come to its apex during the tribulation period. It won't come in until the, the, the tribulation period itself. That's when it will come to the very apex. But the falling away has already begun. The scripture says of the Antichrist that day and the tribulation period that day shall not come except something in the church precedes it. There's a lot of things in the world prophetically that we can point to. There's a lot of things in the nation of Israel, which is the centerpiece of all, all prophecy of the end times. It's the nation, the little nation of Israel, no bigger than, than the state of New Jersey. Amen. Uh, and yet it is the, it is right now the focal point of many of the problems. Iran is developing nuclear weapons and they have vowed to destroy Israel. And they're very clear and blatant in their vow to destroy Israel. Right now with their sanctions against them and there's criticism of our president for making those sanctions. We're trying to get along with everybody, even the terrorist. And you can't get along with the terrorist. And you can't side or make concessions to those who hate and are committed and are openly declaring their commitment that they will not rest until they destroy the little nation of Israel. Is Israel right politically and everything? No, they are not. Are we always politically right in every decision? No, we are not. Is Israel God's nation? And is he standing with them? Amen. Yes, they are just as much as we are God's people. Praise God. Amen. So I just want you to know that some things will happen in the church. And one of the things happening in the church that makes it difficult, because I came up through the 60s and 70s and 80s. I came up through the Jesus movement. We saw people come into Sulphur Springs, or as I call it, Suffering Springs. Amen. Because of all the crime and all of the drugs and all of the prostitution and all of the, the things that are murders that were occurring. They were marching in Sulphur Springs, not... Too many, a couple of years ago on, on the news, Channel 13, Channel 8 was carrying it because of the shootings and the murders in their community. And they were begging the police department to try to help them in that community to not live in the fear uh, that, that comes when uh, crime is like that. Uh, so we're living in a falling away, the beginning of the falling away. And we can cite denomination after denomination that is leaving the scriptures, leaving the clear teachings of the Bible to try to blend in with the culture. The falling away has begun. And the term falling away, literally, it means the removing of a, a breaking of a covenant, the removing of a stand once taken. 
It's like a divorce. It's as if, it's if I went in and, and told Pamela, you know, Pamela, I don't love you anymore. And I feel no further responsibility to live with you, to care about you, to care for you. And I want to just walk away from any further responsibility to you. That's falling away. And that's what's happening in many Church denominations and people are so committed to their denominational structure, they stay in those compromised churches because their mama was that, their daddy was that, their grandma was that, and they're that. And the love of many waxing cold is a sign in the church. Sign of the, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign? Matthew 24, of thy coming. Amen. Many false prophets, sign in the church, shall go out into the land and deceive many, sign in the church. Uh, You did it so well and put the focus on Matthew 24 that one of the great signs we're looking for other things is deception. 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 If the blind lead the blind, they all end up in the ditch. And they do it with great religious presentations and yet there's a compromised gospel and there's a compromise to the to the word of God and and I'm gathering information for future messages right now because I feel that to blow the trumpet in Zion to sound the alarm in my holy city amen hallelujah and show my people their transgression Amen. We can talk about the world all day long, but until the church gets right, we can't be a witness to the world and we can't pray effectively that there will be a revival so that many will come to Christ. It doesn't start with the world getting right. Revival isn't praying that all the sinners get right. Revival is getting rid of our sins. Getting rid of our sins. Creating me a clean heart. Oh, God, before we talk about the heathen, the pagan, the godless, the rebels, the disobedient, the proud and the blasphemers create in me a clean heart. Psalm 51. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then, and oh, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. When you see salvation in the Old Testament, it's not the same as the born again experience in the New Testament. The cross had not occurred and you could not be born again like we have been. But salvation covered that word sozo, it covered deliverance. It, it was when God came through in answer to prayer. When God came through in answer to the cry of his people. When God showed his covenant, uh, the, the strength of his covenant by defending his people, protecting his people, and providing for his people. Can you say, man, don't let me lose the joy of seeing God show up and show out. Don't let me lose the, don't let me get, be turned so wrong with God that He can't legitimately hear me and answer my prayer. If you listen to, let's talk about Jesus. If you find the time, we've got a new topic and it's seven barriers to blessing, seven reasons why prayer is unanswered. And we want to bring those seven forward so we can eliminate them. How many know that we need answers to prayer? 
We used to sing it, Lord, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. Can you say amen? If my people, which by call by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from what, what? What, what, what? It's so easy to stand on the steps in Washington, D.C. and pray for the nation. It's so easy to stand on the steps of the church and pray for the lost. It's another thing to get in an altar and get ourselves right with God. If my people who are called by my name, who have the privilege and power to pray effectively, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. Praise God. It's a personal promise from God, but it involves repentance on our part. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, your deliverance, your breakthroughs, your provision, your supernatural answers to prayer. Hallelujah. Restore that unto me. Then, then, and only then, sinners shall be converted unto thee and transgressors will learn your ways they'll say boy amen repenting getting right with god has some real benefits to it get being right with god where you can pray and get an answer being in trouble and god lifting you out of the miry clay delivering you out of the horrible pit amen delivering you from the hand of your enemies can you say amen blessing your crops opening the windows of heaven and pouring you out of blessing that there shall not be room enough to contain it so that you can say with David my cup runneth over because he anoints my head with oil praise God hallelujah well I'm excited about that message too so you'll have to get online if you want that but we get rid of those reasons for unanswered prayer what's going to happen prayer is going to be answered and what happens when prayer is answered there's joy That's why Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask, everybody say answered prayer. You'll ask what you will because your will and his will will be brought together because you'll know what the word says. You'll know what he's purposing. You'll know what he's promising in his word and you will pray accordingly and you will obey accordingly. Can you say amen? And if my word abides in you, abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I've spoken these things unto you that my joy might be in you, so that your joy might be full. And part of his joy, even when everybody forsook him before the cross, was, Father, I know that you always hear me when I pray, and I know that you are always with me. Can you say amen? My joy will never be full unless I can get an answer to prayer, unless I can see an answer. It took a long time, and the devil screamed at me, I'm going to kill your son and take his soul to hell. He's never coming in, but he came in. He came in with a testimony to his family and to me, amen, before the Lord. And he bowed before God, and he got his life right, and he wanted to go home. He said, Dad, I'm ready. I want to go. He's 53 years old and he wants to go to heaven. But he never called it heaven. The last six months of his life, he talked about home, 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 home. Hallelujah. It took 
It took literally the destruction of the body for the soul to be saved. And he knew it and he accepted it and he thanked God for it that he didn't die out there in an accident, didn't die out there without Christ. What, what, a, what an understanding he got. And he got a grace upon him. He wasn't afraid to go home. He was, he was longing to go home. And when it comes time to go home, you'll, you'll, what did it say? Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So many people, when, when they're being prepared to go home, begin to look at this world and see it as something transient and passing and they see heaven as something permanent and wonderful and they have a longing like Paul. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Literally in the Greek, it would read far better there than here. Somebody say, tell me about it. Amen. I have a longing to go home too, but I have a longing to fulfill my calling to my family. I told the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, I want to be, I got one son left here. I got a daughter already in heaven, preemie that was born that is in heaven with you. I've got a son that is left, Matthew, that needs a lot of help. And and I want to help him all that I can for as long as I can. I am Matthew's father. And he can call me that possessively because he's my son and I'm his dad. And I want to be a good daddy to my son. And I'm trying to be because I, I, I don't want to ever have anyone precede me to heaven and, and say I didn't do my best uh, to sow into their life. I want to be a good husband to my wife. God, God commends me for that, commands that and commends me for it. Amen. No man ever hated his own body, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. Even as Christ the church, he said, you should treat your wife this way. And, and I'm trying to do that. She, according to her own Facebook, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like Jason is to his wife. She's been putting on there about her husband, Jason. Remember, you remember Jason. She said, I can't, I'm going home. I, I'm looking forward to the weekend with my, what was the word she used? I told Pamela, you need to get that. You need to get that, that descriptive word, that adjective for me uh, to my, what was it? It's not wonderful. It's beyond wonderful. Some word beyond wonderful husband. My, my, it's, it's, I don't, I've got to find it for you. Amen. Pamela, I told her, I said, you get a hold of that word. If you want to, want to put that up there for somebody, <clears throat> wink, wink, wink. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because when she put it up there, I said, Jason, is she talking about Jason? <laughs> I love Jason, but it's Jason, you know, <laughs> you know, amen. Anyway, God bless him today. He, he writes, he listens. He's been, he's online. He listens. He comes to the website. He listens to the word of God from the website. Praise God. Oh yeah. Well, I'll think of the word later. So my wife, according to my wife, I'm doing a good job of being a good husband to her, sowing into her life and helping her in every way that I possibly can. I am Matthew's daddy. He can speak of me possessively. I belong to Pamela. I am her husband. And I'm trying to fulfill the responsibilities that go with both of those because they, I belong to both of those, father and husband. But I'm God's servant. 
first and foremost, I'm God's servant. I'm God's servant. I'm God's servant. And I let him know under, under no circumstances is anyone or anything above you in my life. That doesn't mean I neglect them because part of obeying you and serving you is being a good father to my son and a good husband to my wife and a good witness to the world before I even get in a pulpit. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want to be a good servant of the Lord today. I want to deepen my devotion to him during the falling away. That means I can't, I can't look at other people to see what they're doing or even other ministers and see what they are doing. I have to look toward Jesus and see what pleases him. I have to look at the Bible, the word of God and see what it teaches I can't look and see what that denomination is doing. You know, they're having meetings deciding on which part of the Bible they're going to obey and which part they're going to delete as part of their creed and their dogma. Churches are actually judging the Bible by the, by the culture so they can introduce the culture and violate the scripture. They have to literally tear out what they're doing would be the equivalent of tearing out pages of the scripture. And we are very strictly warned. We can touch a lot of things. He said, you better leave my word alone. In the book of Revelation, not just speaking of the book of Revelation, but of the book called the Bible, the God-inspired word of God to us today. Whoever adds to the prophecies of this book, the plagues of this book, Every plague shall be added to him in terms of the, of the judgment that's going to befall. And whoever takes from the prophecies, by the way, prophecies are not just about future events. The spirit of prophecy is about the preaching and teaching of the truth of the gospel and the word of God. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And whoever takes from it, the plagues of this book shall be added unto him. Whoever adds to it, the plague shall be added. And whoever takes from it, his name shall be taken out of the book of life. He'll be lost eternally without any hope of salvation or reconciliation. That's serious stuff. So we can't pick and choose what we're going to preach. We can't go along and go with the flow. We need preachers in pulpits today, and I'm, someday I'm going to pass the baton to somebody. God takes men, but he doesn't take mantles. Elijah's going up. Elisha's waiting. <laughs> he said, I want a double portion of your anointing. I want to, I want to be, I want to be, step into those shoes, not to lift myself up, but to carry on someone that represents God's power and God's presence in this world. I want to be the next in line for that. Can you say amen? Someone asked who's going to be the next Billy Graham. And one preacher I, I agree with said the next Billy Graham is not going to be another man to walk on the scene and carry the gospel as influentially as he has. It's going to be the church in its fullness, the pure church rising up in power to be a witness to the world that God has designed us to be and not not just sending an offering to somebody to get it done but becoming the witness that God has called us to be 
How many believe in the day of the falling away? The only safeguard is to deepen our personal devotion to Jesus Christ. Well, listen to what he said about deepening your devotion. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, beginning with verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. I'm going to tell you, I don't have a bit of problem of pleading the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? I don't have no problem. See, you can overcome the enemy's accusations by declaring the finished work of Jesus in your behalf and pleading the merits of his blood. You can declare now, therefore, there's no condemnation to them who are in Jesus Christ. Oh, here's that other little caveat, as they call it. No, it's more than a caveat. It's an essential to victory. Listen to it. No condemnation doesn't mean license to sin. Now, therefore, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who live according to the world, live according to their flesh. No, who after the spirit and not after the flesh. Walketh after the spirit and not after the flesh. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're going to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh, you're going to have to deal with the flesh. And what do you have to do to deal with the flesh? To crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. That's what it means to take up your cross. Some people think it means I'm being persecuted because I'm a Christian. You're just thinking about yourself. That, that's not the cross. Oh, I bear a heavy cross at work. They call me Holy Joe. They call me the Holy Roller. Oh, they, they, they don't invite me to their drinking parties. Well, good. You shouldn't be at their drinking parties. Anywho. That's not your cross. Persecution is not your cross. It's your badge of honor. When they cast your name out as evil for my sake, speak all manner of evil against you. Rejoice and listen, be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Marvel not if the world hate you. It hated me before it hated you. If the world doesn't hate you, if it embraces you, it's because you belong to it and it embraces and loves its own. Amen. I don't have to go out and try to intimidate or incite anger in anybody. All I have to do is follow Jesus. All I have to do is follow Jesus. And that doesn't just mean go to church. That means I I march to the beat of a different drummer. Amen. My values reflect a kingdom that is not of this world. My morals is not what is acceptable in this world. People are looking what they can get by with and still be a Christian. I, I want to be more deeply devoted than that. I don't have a problem with overcoming the devil by the blood of Jesus. And I don't have a problem with the second principle necessary to overcome him. As the accuser. 
And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I love to declare the faith. I hold fast your profession of faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. I, I, I don't have a problem with confessing Jesus to, a, to the world. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Hallelujah. I, the blood of Jesus, I plead. My profession of faith is in relation to that. I am saved. I am washed. I am justified. And I am sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ. The word, I declare that I am his. I confess Jesus. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We overcome the enemy as the accuser by confessing the, the finished work of Jesus in our behalf. Those two principles are easy. You know what's tough? The third essential. There's a third principle. And this is what's needed, especially during the beginning of sorrows called the beginning of the falling away. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, principle number one. And the word of their testimony, our confession of faith, test, principle number three. Both of them overcome the devil as the accuser of the brethren. But the third principle is to overcome the devil as the tempter of the believer. It's overcoming temptation, not condemnation. Are you still here? How many in this room are tempted? It's not a loaded question and it's okay to admit we're tempted. Temptation doesn't prove you're evil. It proves you're human. Amen. And no temptation, trial, test, or temptation in the form of this, this uh, uh, pressure to do evil, this, this, this bait that he puts out that he wants us to take. No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able, who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. That means not to give in to it and give over to it. Whether it comes in testings or whether it comes in this, this, this pushiness to do wrong and sin. Listen carefully. Let no man say when he is tempted. The book of James says that he's tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted. When he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Overcoming the devil's accusations is through the blood and through our testimony. Overcoming temptation requires devotion to God. You will never take up your cross and truly follow Christ. Unless you love God enough to do it. Unless you love Jesus enough to do it. 
And if you don't love him enough to do it, you're not going to do it. You're not going to suffer for his sake. The persecution, you're not going to suffer it. You're going to try to blend wherever you are. So you don't have to suffer persecution. But if you ever decide to devote yourself to God and live for Him, all those that live godly, that doesn't mean on Sunday, that means every part of your life. You're a Christian. You have different values. You have different morals. you're, You're in the world, but you're not of it. And see what Jesus prayed was, Lord, don't take them out of the world. They're the light of the world. They're the salt of the earth. They're the witness and the testimony that others might come to know Christ. Don't take them out yet. But keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the tempter. Every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust. And if you and I don't crucify the flesh, we will give in to temptation. Lust, when it's conceived, bringeth sin. When we entertain it, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth death. It breaks that fellowship, relationship with God. The prodigal son was a son, even while he was out in sin. But he couldn't come into that relationship where he could have God's protection and love until he came home and repented of his sin. There's a third principle. So we got the blood down. We sing about the blood and we should. We applaud the blood and we should. We apply the blood and plead the blood and we should. We testify with boldness and we should. But the third principle is, and they loved not their life unto The death. No one in here is is asked here in America at this point to be killed, to be martyred. We still have freedom and protection to practice our faith in America. But all over the world, Christians are dying for their faith. And here's the challenge in America. You're not asking America to die for your faith. To die for Christ. You're asked to die to self so you can live for Christ. And the problem is getting Christians who seriously and sincerely want to live for Jesus. They love not their life. That's what crucifying the flesh, it means giving up all right to self. We're bought with a price and we're not our own. How many know what the price was? The precious blood of a lamb. We don't belong to ourselves. I like that. I'm glad I belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm glad when he comes, he's going he's to come for his own. And I'm glad I'm one of his. We're his purchased possession. Everybody say his purchased possession. I'm glad to be the sheep of his pasture. The people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to God. I'm glad that he calls me his son and calls you his daughter. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I can cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. 
And even though you're bought with a price and you shouldn't be your own, you still have to give yourself away. I beseech you, brethren, Romans 12, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, what? Reasonable service. This is not radical. This is reasonable. But it appears radical not only to the world, but to the compromised, lukewarm church. What is reasonable to God is radical to the church that is falling away from God. And we do, don't we? We see someone sold out to Jesus. We say they're radically saved. Anybody been to a, uh, what's the guy's concert? Carmen. Carmen talks all the time about being radically saved. Well, that just means simply falling in love with the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The way we're supposed to love him. The only way to avoid falling away is to deepen your devotion. I said the only way to keep from falling away is to deepen your devotion. When I was in school, and I'm glad that before she passed away, my sixth grade teacher, Verna Stokes, she went to the Highway Baptist Church on on Highway 92. You had to turn off and go down a little old road. And Verna Stokes, she came, she taught morality, not just the ABCs. (laughs) She taught morality. She told the girls, she'd have all those girls, I want to talk to you. No, don't you go walking around here like a spider on a hot griddle. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I'm still trying to figure it out. In other words, you be modest and you be act like a, 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 a woman with dignity. And she'd tell us, you know, things. And then she would always have the Gideons eat. And they would come to our school and we would, he, she would teach us to recite the 23rd Psalm so that we could get a free pocket New Testament in Mango Elementary School. She taught us righteousness. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Branch, she's the first one to accept that a, and, and, and really it was revealed to her that there was a calling on my life in the first grade. She saw it, called my mom and daddy, and I thought I was in trouble. And I've been good at school. Oh, Lord, because if I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. And after my dad got through with me, my grandmother got on me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's the principal at school. It's a teacher, principal, dad, and grandmother. They all got on my case. And I mean my case was here. So when they called my parents in, I thought, boy, what have I done? And I was sweating bullets. I was nervous. First grade teacher, Mrs. Branch, and I sat over in the corner. But when she started talking to my mom and daddy, I kind of edged over so I could hear what they were saying. What what trouble am I in? You know, (laughs) well... Anyway, preparing myself for the eventual whatever was coming. Amen. And she said, I just wanted, I don't know if you've recognized this in your son, because she was a devoted Christian woman. She said, I don't know if you've noticed this in your son. This is in the first grade. I was late starting. I was seven years old when I started instead of six. I was one year older than my graduating class. And they, she said, she said, God's hand. Is on your son. Isn't it something for a school teacher 
telling parents that God's hand is on your son. And I, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't know how to appreciate that. But when I got called to minister looking back, I thought, Lord, you called me from my mother's womb. This didn't start when I decided to be a preacher. This started when you decided to anoint me. John the Baptist was anointed <laughs> in the womb of Elizabeth. Mary came telling Elizabeth she was with the child of the Holy Spirit that amen and 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 while Elizabeth is listening, amen John leapt in her womb. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you see that little baby in there? Whoa! Hallelujah. The Messiah has come. Praise the Lord. So here I am all of these years later. I came up through the Jesus movement and I saw young men and women devote their life to the Lord. They didn't go for the video games in the basement. They didn't go for the skate park out back. They didn't go for the concert that sounded so much like the rock and roll of the world. And believe me, I love contemporary music. But they went forward because of the cross and the Christ that was calling them. I remember going to Jesus 1980 with my son, Alan. And I remember sleeping in a pup tent. Me and him in a pup tent on the ground. And I was much younger in 1980. Amen. In a galaxy far, far away in a time long, long ago. But I was sore when we woke up the next morning. I wasn't near as tough. I, I wasn't near as tough as uh, Brother Costello who goes camping all the time. But you don't sleep on the bare, just the ground and a blanket, do you? No, he probably got one of them, one of them blow-up air mattresses. No, he's got a camper. You old softy. Yeah, he's not like me. You know, when I go camping, I, I fish at Long, Don's, John, Long John Silver's and camp at the Holiday Inn. Amen. <laughs> Been on a camping trip. In the great fall, in a way, that's begun. If you start looking, see what other so-called Christians are doing. Maybe even personal friends of yours that go to church, but what they're doing in their personal life. Are they deepening their devotion or are they compromising and slipping away? Someone told my wife recently, I would have invited you over for something, but uh, I'd offer you a glass of wine and I know that you'd refuse it. You don't need to be drinking in a drunken society that is destroying lives, that destroyed my son's body, that's destroying people on the roadways every single day day and ruining the life of the person who destroyed a life because of their drunkenness because now they're charged with vehicular homicide and they're serving time in jail away from their family and their careers amen no 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 this is not a time for compromising can you can you have a glass of wine with a meal and not sin maybe you can but there are people who can't because one drink to some people is going to loose that spirit of addiction on them and 
he's going to grab them. Amen. And we don't want to cause a weaker brother or sister to sin. Can you say, man, I'm a teetotaler because I've seen the devastation of it. And I don't want to be associated with it. I don't need alcohol. It will not replace the joy of Jesus. I don't need alcohol. It will not replace the peace of God. And if you got the peace of God and the joy of Jesus, you can have a Pepsi and parte hearte. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Come on. I'm serious, can't you? I don't need to drink with the drunkards. I don't need to drink with the drinkers. I don't need a man to lower my standard, to fit in with the world, and to have social graces. I need to live for the God that I love. I need to serve the God that saved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and they love not their life. Principle number three. Everybody say deep devotion. Deep devotion. Let me tell you how Jesus told the church to react to persecution. About loving not your life even unto the death. Let me tell you about Jesus first as we get ready to close. The Bible said that though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God. He humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant. Everybody say deep devotion. And was obedient even to the death of the cross. He loved not his life even unto the death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name. See, the church world has lowered the standard. You don't have to deny yourself to follow Jesus. You're going to get rich by following him. You don't have to sacrifice anything to follow Christ. Come on, this is the church today. It's on your television every Sunday. You cannot deny that. It's here. You're serving for the stuff. Who wouldn't? Jesus said, you better count the cost before you try to make a commitment to follow me. You cannot be my disciple. You can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Or you will hate one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon. You can serve God with mammon. First time riches and what it brings you is given a, a, an actual name, mammon. And it's not just money, but what money can do. It puts you in a different position. I know people with money that look down on you, look down on me, look down on us. They call us for prayer, but they wouldn't darken the doorway of this little congregation because it would be beneath them to come to that little church. I'll tell you what, when I, when I get desperate for a need to be met, I'm going where the anointing is. I don't care if it's a tent meeting with sawdust floor and an old hard chair. I'll sit in the old hard chair. I'll stand in a long line until someone can lay hands on me under the anointing of God and have an answer to my prayer. I'm not interested in the programs. I'm not interested in the presentation. I'm interested in the power and presence of God Almighty. Can you say amen? Somebody give him a praise today. Hallelujah. What God requires without apology 
is absolute commitment. You remember the story of the pig and the chicken? You remember the pig? I'll tell it to you anyway. You'll remember it. A pig and a chicken during the Great Depression, they're walking along, and the pig, uh, and the chicken looks over at the pig and says, Look at that poor family. They haven't had any supper last night, and they have nothing to cook for breakfast this morning. Let's go over there. We can help them. I will provide the eggs, and you can provide the bacon. And the pig says, easy for you to say. All you have to do is strain a little bit to lay those eggs. But for me, it's going to take a total commitment. Can you say amen? People are afraid of total commitment. They're afraid God's going to ask them to deny themselves and maybe make a sacrifice. And so the message of denying yourself has been replaced with self-indulgence. Follow me, you can have a mansion like mine, a plane like mine, a car like mine, a house like mine. No, not in this world. That's not promised in this world. But there is a mansion promised in heaven. And we're not, if you be risen with Christ, you have a different value system. It's got to be distinctly different to represent his kingdom. If you be risen with Christ, if you've been born from above, if you've been born again, seek those things above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not the things of this earth. Lay up your treasure, Jesus taught, didn't it, in heaven where the thief can't break through and steal it and the rust can't corrupt it and the moth can't eat it up. For where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart's going to be. Okay, so seek the things above and your heart will follow. Set your affection on things above. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. For the world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Can you say, man, set your affections. Love not this transient passing world. Neither the th I'm not talking about the earth and its beauty. I'm talking about the system that is against God. The system that is antichrist. The system that is in full blown rebellion against the will and the word of almighty God today. Any man that loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. He may sing that sentimental song on Sunday, attend that church service, but the love of God is not in him. And therefore, that person is part, contributing to and going along with the falling away. And the falling away has begun. It's difficult to preach and teach when people are not deepening their devotion. They don't come to hear that they might heed the word of God. They come to be entertained. They go where they are not convicted. We've got a reputation for conviction. I can tell when it comes in here, happy, smiling people look sad and down. Don't look sad and down. You can fool me, but you can't fool God. If you're convicted in here, it's because God loves you. 
Conviction is an action of the Holy Spirit to get you under the wings of God so he can protect you and care for you and keep you from the hour of temptation that's coming to try all the inhabitants of the earth. The great tribulation is what that's about. That's what he told them in the book of Revelation. Can you say, man, because you've kept the word of my patience, I'll keep you from the hour of temptation that's coming to try all the inhabitants of the earth. I want you to quit running from me. I want you to run to me so you can be saved and kept by the power of God and by the person of the Holy Spirit and by Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this. Remember the third principle. What is the third principle? The blood of Jesus, the word of their testimony, and and loved not their life. Is that radical? Is that beyond the, what God requires? Is that for some fanatic? No, that's for every single child of God in every church in America. And it's not just that he demands that devotion, which he does. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, how? With all. And you won't do it because he demands it. You've got to begin to go back to the cross and look at him dying for you and pray that your heart will melt once again like it once did when the first love came forward and you wanted to serve God. You couldn't wait to be in church. You you hated to miss a service. Can you say, man? You you walked in your daily life just looking for the open door to share Jesus with somebody. Hallelujah. First love was burning. The devotion was deep. And when you saw something in the Word and your life didn't match up, you immediately begin to adjust your life to the Word instead of looking for watered-down preaching to fit your lifestyle. First love changes everything. But it brings deep devotion. Look what Jesus told them, what He expects. Listen, not because He demands it, but because He deserves it. He deserves nothing less. I said, he, oh, it's not the church is Lord, the standard. God hasn't changed his. Thou shalt love him with all thy mind, strength, spirit, soul, body. But you don't do it because it's commanded or demanded. You do it because you begin to love him enough to devote your life to him to that degree. And we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And where was that love expressed? At the cross, greater love than this hath no man than a man would lay down his life for his friends. God wanted to be reconciled to us, and Jesus became the go-between on the cross. If we ever get back to the cross, we will deepen our devotion. If we deepen our devotion, we won't be part of the falling away. We won't be part of the frozen chosen. We won't be part of those who are drifting. You know people that are drifting. I know people that are drifting. They do, they've lost that and they're not concerned about the fact that it's gone. They're not here to hear this message this morning. And they're not coming to the website to hear it because it will convict them of where they are in their walk with God. They'd rather sit in the back of a church without conviction. Be entertained by the choir and feel like that's all that's required of me. That is not all that's required of you. Can you say, man, we should be willing to lay down our life, even if our life isn't on the line. 
our devotion should be that deep. The martyrs that are doing it today, we should love him as much as they love him, even though our life isn't on the line. But someday it could be. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, Revelation 2 and verse 8, right, these things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive, I know thy works. Thy tribulation, they were being persecuted. They were being locked out of jobs because they were Christian. Somebody say, tell me about it. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but thou art rich. It must have been spiritual because they were suffering persecution. They were not part of the trade union. They couldn't work in that trade. And Christians were being pushed out. And he said, it looks like you're poor, but you're really rich. Because you have something better than all the silver and gold in all of the world. You've got to see things through a different lens when you come to Jesus. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they're Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. What? Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Some of you are not going into politics. You're not going to be the CEO of the, of the bank. Some of you are going to jail for your faith. Amen. That you may be tried. The real test of your faith is not getting rich and wealthy And having a life of ease, the real test of your faith is bearing up under the pressures and persecutions for the sake of Jesus. We got two amens. How many know if this church was set in the 21st century postmodern church, this message would be wholesale rejected? Some of you are going to jail that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. There's a limit on Satan's activity against them, but it's going to happen. God's still in control. But He's not going to keep them from it. He's going to take them through it. And I'm not talking about the great tribulation. I'm talking about the trials and tests that come because they are following Jesus. Be thou faithful. How deeply devoted. Be thou the words of Jesus. He says it without apology. He doesn't water it down. The problem is we've got a cheap gospel and a cheap cross and a cheap grace and a Christ that isn't worth devoted to that deeply. So we don't have people following him that closely. So our witness to the world is because we go out and blend through the week and we sit in a house of worship on Sunday wanting to be entertained And we become a social club instead of a lighthouse for Christ. We drink with them. We smoke with them. We toke with them. We joke with them. And we wonder why we can't win them to Jesus. Because even the world knows that is not a representation of his kingdom. Even the world sees the hypocrisy. And they say, if that's Christianity, I don't need it. I got that already. Not only am I as good as some of them, I'm better than some of them. I'm kinder than some of them. I'm more helpful to people that need it than some of them. 
Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. I'll give you a crown of life. But you can't capitulate. And you can't compromise. When the pressure's on, be faithful unto death. Some of you going to jail, be faithful. They're imprisoned in China right now. They have been given, start given no water and given urine to drink in their starvation for water. And they've had to drink urine in the prison. They've been beaten with sticks and rods in prison. And one man, early on during Watchman Knees, at the beginning of that great persecution that the church that has been driven underground in China, he was a friend of Watchman Knees. And Watchman Knees was deeply devoted to Jesus Christ. They put him in prison. They starved him. They beat him. They tortured him for following Jesus. In his pain and in his agony, he denied the Lord. And they let him out. And he was so heartbroken that he had denied the Lord. He walked through the streets of the city loudly proclaiming, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. And I have denied my Lord. And I have denied my Lord. He was weeping and declaring what he was so afraid of, being tortured and being in pain and being in prison. He was, he, he was so broken that he had failed the Lord. His devotion wasn't deep enough to carry him through that he was more or less publicly shaming himself and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I have, I have denied the Lord that saved me. And they rearrested him. And they put him back in prison. And this time, his devotion was deep enough to take him through. And there was a grace and a peace upon him. And he endured the persecution. You know why? Because he loved not his life. Even. Even. The Bible teaches for every believer, in order to walk in the Spirit, you've got, there's got to be a death to self. You don't have to do what he did. You don't have to go through. Some of you are not willing to live for him. I'm talking to the Christian community, not necessarily you guys. But if the shoe fits, just put her right on because you need to get that right with God. I need to get that right with God. Amen. We need to get this settled with God. Jesus didn't apologize for telling him, you're going to jail. So get ready for persecution. Some of you are going to lay down your life. Be faithful unto death. Third principle in overcoming the devil as the tempter, not as the condemner. That's easy stuff. Remember when we sing about the blood, extol the virtues of the blood and plead the blood? No problem. Boldly testify, I'm a Christian. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. No problem. Loving not your life unto the death, turning the other cheek for his sake, submitting to spiritual authority for his sake, getting rid of your pride, 
for His sake. Humbling yourself for His sake. Taking the pressure and the persecution for His sake. Forgiving one another for His sake. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. Can you say amen? Thank God we're not asked to lay down our life physically and we're not yet imprisoned, although the day may come. They asked for the Chinese Christians that these forerunners that were suffering for his sake have seeded the gospel. Now it is said that 50,000 a day are coming to Jesus in red China under intense persecution for the true church. Not the state approved church because it's a dead church and can't even teach the soon coming of Jesus. But the church that is ardent, on fire, deeply devoted and in love with Jesus. Going to read this as we truly close today. Devotion to God implies ardent affection for him. A yielding of your heart to him with reverence, faith and piety. In every act, particularly in devotion. From what is said of the centurion of the Italian band. He was termed a devout man because he feared God. Gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Acts 10. That's a centurion. Come on. And yet he's getting this deep, devoted attitude toward God. This is the essence of true devotion. He loved God, without which there can be no devotion. The more we love a person, the more devoted we are to him or her. Amen? The more we love, the more we're devoted. Some people love their dogs so much. Rich people leave $5 million to their cat. Amen. And they leave the big house they live in to their cat. And they pay a staff of servants to serve and feed and brush and walk and take care of the cat. They're that devoted to their cat. Some people devoted to their job. Some people to their fame. Their fame. Some devoted to their sport. The thing you love with all your heart will bring deep devotion. And deep devotion will bring the necessary discipline. Amen. A boxer that's out there training right now, he's got a good chance of winning his fight. The boxer that's out there partying right now and not training for his next fight has got a good chance of losing. Somebody got the eye of the tiger. Can you say man? And somebody's just coasting along feeding their flesh. But I'm going to tell you that in the, in the Olympics, the person who is devoted to their nation and devoted to wearing that crown, that victor's wreath, they uh, develop the necessary disciplines to do it. 
And there's a discipline of prayer and there's a discipline of not giving in to the flesh. And if we just teach discipline without devotion, it's going to be a hard job and we will never accomplish it. But if we teach falling in love with him for loving us and we get deeply devoted to God, we're going to show up at Bible study. We're going to show up at Holy Communion and say, I want to, I want to participate in thanking God. We're going to show up and show out in a worship service. Thank God for you that clapped your hands today. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. During the worship service and was enthusiastic to praise the Lord. At the feet of Jesus stood a woman weeping and washing his feet with tears, wiping them with the hairs of her head and kissing them. Is not this a picture of devotion? It is love and devotion expressed in action. Jesus said she loved much. So the secret of devotion is loving much. And whoever's forgiven much loves much. And you've got to understand what it means to be forgiven. This is not a cheap cross and this is not cheap grace. It cost Jesus everything to save you. And he gave it freely. We need more than just a religious relationship with him. We need to be deeply devoted to follow Jesus. Can you agree with that today? I'm going to make one more statement as we close. Through Jesus Christ, God draws near to us in passionate pursuit. The holy covers the unholy. The finite reaches down. The infinite reaches down to the finite. Perfection actively pursues the imperfect. Our relationship with God does not simply consist of a one-time confession of faith in Jesus Christ. In the same way that a marriage is much more than simply the wedding ceremony. Amen? Our life in Christ does not end on the day of our salvation. The moment we surrender our lives to God, we are a new creation. We have God's DNA. Whoever wrote this, I wish I had. Can you say amen? We've got God's DNA. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're immediately united as one in love through faith with God Almighty. However, this spiritual relationship must be nurtured and developed in order to grow. We need to deepen our devotion by focusing on Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And we need to ask the question of the great Christian song, where would I be without Jesus? And where would I spend eternity? And now, not in the song, but in relation to that, what should be my reaction to that kind of sacrifice and that kind of love? It's got to go beyond the religious Offerings that are being offered up to him today. That's why true worshipers can't just sing along with the choir or sing in the choir. They've got to follow Jesus when you get out of church. Or what we're saying while we're singing has no value to God. Because man looks on that outward appearance, but God looks right into the heart. And he demands truth in the heart. Or worship is no good. Here's what I love about this getting right with God and getting real with God and getting devoted to God. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. Say it with me. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. God is looking for somebody to devote to that degree 
so that he can answer prayers, so that he can protect, he can provide. Hallelujah. He can show us his glory. Listen, the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord. God is looking, isn't he? They don't just look up. They roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts in your King James, it says perfect, but it connotates in the Hebrew are fully committed unto him. What? See, perfect, your heart is never going to be considered perfect toward God until it's wholly committed to Him. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole whole earth to show Himself strong to those whose hearts, let's define perfect, are fully committed unto Him. Fully committed unto Him. Fully committed unto Him. Hallelujah. What would happen if Christians got deeply devoted? Number one, we would escape the falling away, the pull of that push away from God. And number two, God said, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for somebody who isn't playing church. I'm looking for somebody who isn't playing games. I'm looking for somebody that I can show up and show out in their behalf to show myself strong. But I'm looking for a heart that is fully committed unto me. Can you say, man? Oh, now my Sunday, I feel the anointing. I feel God's sanction. I feel God patting my back and saying, son, you need to tell this to anybody who will listen because we need a breakthrough in America. We need a revival in America. Amen. The Democrats can't bring it. The Republicans can't bring it. The president can't bring it. The preachers that are compromised sure can't bring it. But there is a word from the Lord. And I believe it's in my heart and I believe you're hearing it. morning and I believe I'm challenged when I get through studying like this I pray God here's my life again here it is anew and afresh uncompromised I am Pamela's husband I am Matthew's father but I am your servant and as for me and my house can you, as far as my influence goes where I live we're not going to be part of the falling away hallelujah we're going to serve the Lord can you say man and if you don't like it you'll just have to deal with it hallelujah Hallelujah. 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 His eyes are running to and fro, looking for somebody that will respond to his love by loving him back with all their heart, mind, soul, and body. Hallelujah. I want to be one of those people because I need him. I need the Lord. Remember Pauline used to sing that reoccurring song, but it never got old to me. People need the Lord. And I need, I'm one of those people as a Christian who need the Lord. You that are here with unforgiveness, you've got to devote enough to Jesus 
to forgive for his sake, lest a root of bitterness get in you, grow up and trouble you, and the devil will defeat you. The devil will defeat you. The devil will defeat you unless you're devoted enough to go against your own flesh and justifying your attitude. You've got to get rid of that. When you stand praying, if you have aught against any, forgive. Because if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you yours. You're in trouble when God can't forgive you because you can't be perfect. Can you say amen? Let it go. Anybody see frozen? Huh? You need to not just sing it. You saw it. (laughs) I know you saw it. And because she saw it, you saw it. And because she saw it, y'all saw it. And she knows every lyric in the song. And we probably do too. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go for Jesus' sake. Not for the sake of anybody else but Jesus. They may not deserve it, but let it go anyway. Can you say, man, lest the devil get the, uh, uh, get the advantage of us. Whoever you forgive, we forgive for his sake. For if God forgave you for Jesus' sake, you ought to forgive one another. You owe it. Ought is owe to. It's a shortened form of owe to. You owe it. It's a debt that you owe to everyone because you freely received You've got to freely give what you've received. Amen. Well, I've enjoyed preaching to you and teaching you. We've, we, 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 have, we have enjoyed our time. I hope you enjoyed this. Amen. More importantly, I hope we can go out of here. Since God is looking, since His, His, His radar, amen, is sweeping the earth, the whole earth. He said, I'm looking for somebody down there. To show myself strong in there. I want my name glorified and I want my people blessed. I want my name glorified and my people blessed. And my name can't be glorified unless my people are blessed. And I can't bless them with half-hearted commitment. But once they devote, everything changes. If my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray, Hallelujah. Seek my face and turn from their wicked way. I see his eyes are looking. I'll hear from heaven. I'll heal. I'll heal. They're hurt. I'll heal their land. I'll heal their body. I'll heal their relationship. I'll heal and I'll help. And my name will be glorified. Can you say amen? Will you stand to your feet today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you today. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm looking for something that just fits just now. Hallelujah. There is a fountain filled with blood. There, there is a redeemer. There is a redeemer. This is where we want to go. There is a redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they overcame him as the accuser through the first two principles. The blood of Jesus, the word of their testimony. But there's a third element essential to victory. And that's the one 
so many times as conveniently not put in the same place as the first two. If it takes three, we can't leave out the third one, can we? How many believe about yourself and the church world at large we need in this falling away where the love of many is waxing cold? We need to deepen our devotion to Christ. Hallelujah.